It's 6 p.m. and you are tuned to Community Radio, KVMR-FM, Nevada City, KCPC Camino. Today is Thursday, June 3rd, 2021. I'm Claudio Mendonca, and it's time for the KVMR Evening News. Officials from California want the EPA to allow the state to set its own vehicle emissions standards. And the hospitality industry can't find workers. All this and more on tonight's California Report. After a brief look at regional weather and news, we'll hear Hospitality House's Needs of the Week, followed by Bravehearts. This week, Betty Louise continues her conversation with the Interfaith Food Ministry's Executive Director, Phil Alonzo, and Development Director, Naomi Cabral. We close with an essay by Molly Fisk. This is the California Report. I'm Saul Gonzalez in Los Angeles. During the Trump presidency, California and Washington, D.C. were locked in a bitter battle over the regulation of vehicle emissions and what the state had the authority to do to cut pollution from cars and trucks. Now, California officials are supporting a Biden administration plan to give back regulatory clout to the state. KQED climate reporter Ezra David Romero has more. Biden's Environmental Protection Agency aims to restore California's Clean Car Authority, which was stripped away by the previous administration. California Air Resources Board Chair Leanne Randolph made the case for returning the authority at a U.S. EPA hearing this week. California continues to struggle to meet the national ambient air quality standards for particulate matter and ozone. And the climate crisis is accelerating. We face serious drought, growing wildfire risk, and substantial threats to air quality. Randolph says California's emissions goals will help meet the existential threat of climate change while reducing air pollution. The public comment period for the proposal ends July 6th. For the California Report, I'm Ezra David Romero. Economists in California continue to paint a pretty rosy picture for pandemic recovery. The latest UCLA Anderson forecast anticipates a robust economic rebound for the United States and California, although forecasters say they expect ups and downs along the way. The report finds that a driving force for an economic recovery will likely be a pent-up demand for leisure and hospitality. But those industries have been struggling to hire workers. Scott Satterfield is general manager of Hotel Trio in Healdsburg in Sonoma County. He tells the California Report that in wine country, it's been a real challenge to find workers. We are all kind of drinking at the same uh, trough as we're competing for uh, entry-level employees. I mean, I'm competing with, uh, you know, In-N-Out Burger or whatever. And as we all compete for that uh, finite number of applicants, and that number seems to be smaller than it has been, we're finding that people continue to raise their rate of pay. To find workers, Satterfield says the hotels in the area are not only offering higher pay, but added perks to try to entice employees who were furloughed to come back. But he says most hotels are struggling to get back to pre-pandemic staffing levels. That's especially important with the upcoming summer travel season. Satterfield says he's already seen that pent-up demand that economists are talking about, as most hotels in Sonoma County were at or near full capacity for the long Memorial Day weekend. But if hotels aren't able to find workers, Sattersfield says guests could see some service charges to things like room cleaning in the weeks and months ahead. We have noticed that some of our competing hotels actually close off reservations when they can no longer service those rooms. So we have not had to do that thus far, but it's a very big possibility that 
if we don't hire enough people to service our guests rather than have unhappy guests, we'll have to close off reservations, which is unheard of really in the hospitality business. Satterfield says it's especially a challenge in a community like Healdsburg because there's a much smaller pool of potential employees compared to larger metropolitan areas like San Francisco or Los Angeles. And let's stay on job issues. Hundreds of thousands of -of out-of-work Californians are stuck with frozen accounts and without desperately needed unemployment benefits after being flagged for fraud by the state's Employment Development Department, or EDD. But yesterday, a bill that could protect innocent people snagged by EDD's freeze-first, verify-later policy passed through the Assembly. The California Report's Mary Franklin Harvin has the details. It's a busy week in the California legislature as lawmakers clamor to get bills through their houses before the June 4th deadline. So when I called San Francisco Assemblymember David Chu to hear about AB 397, he had to check with his staff to make sure he was remembering the votes right. Ah, overwhelming vote, 76-0. Holy cow. It's a reflection of how frustrated everyone is with how broken the system is. The system is EDD. After getting bilked out of more than $10 billion worth of fake claims, the agency has frozen well over a million applications that it's deemed suspicious. But oftentimes, simple errors can snag claims. It's incredibly easy to make a mistake and provide the wrong information. And when that happens, um, that person is disqualified. And once they're disqualified, they can get stuck trying to get through EDD's notoriously impenetrable system. Right now, people often don't even know why they've been flagged. The new bill would change that. It requires EDD to give a specific reason for disqualification and gives the claimant an opportunity to explain or cure the discrepancy. Basically, the chance to prove their innocence before they're labeled guilty. I think that what EDD has been doing in terms of putting stop payments on accounts after someone has been found eligible for benefits is contradictory to guidance and constitutional law. That's Daniela Urban, executive director of the Center for Workers' Rights in Sacramento. She says if EDD just kept paying applicants while their claims were being investigated, the agency's phone lines might not be so overwhelmed. Because people would be getting payments in the meantime. Um, I wouldn't be so concerned about putting food in their mouth that they feel like they need to call EDD every hour to try to get a remedy. The bill is a positive step forward for Californians who've been mistakenly labeled fraudsters, but it will still need to pass through the Senate and get the governor's signature before it can help anyone. For the California Report, I'm Mary Franklin Harbin. California's largest state workers union has approved a $1 million donation in the effort to help fight the recall of Governor Gavin Newsom. While this may not seem unusual, as Governor Newsom has received support from many unions in the past, it comes amid a leadership change with SEIU Local 1000, which represents 96,000 state workers. The donation was approved during an emergency meeting of the union's board of directors late last week, just days after union president Yvonne Walker lost the president. But incoming union president Richard Lewis Brown says the union shouldn't support the governor because of the state worker pay cut he's imposed during the pandemic. Other board members say the union should wait to endorse until the recall election is closer. Support for the California report comes from Blue Shield of California, closing the health care gap since 1939. Learn more about their commitment to quality and fair health care for every Californian at news.blueshieldca.com. Hint. 
fruit-infused water in over 25 flavors like watermelon, pineapple, and blackberry. No sweeteners, no calories, in stores or delivered from drinkhint.com. And Eric and Wendy Schmidt through the Schmidt Family Foundation, working together to create a just world where all people have access to renewable energy, clean air and water, and healthy food. On the web at theschmidt.org. And that is the California Report for Thursday, June 3rd. We're a production of KQED Public Radio. I'm Saul Gonzalez. Thanks for listening and have a great day. The Nevada County Coronavirus Dashboard is reporting five new COVID-19 cases today for a total of 148 active cases. Three people are hospitalized. In a statement released today, Nevada County Public Health Officer Dr. Scott Kellerman urged the residents of Nevada County to unite towards a common purpose of a healthier community. Quote, The path through the COVID-19 pandemic has been arduous and painful, and the path forward promises to be no less challenging. The mission of public health is to advance the health and well-being of Nevada County's people and communities. As a public health officer, I am abundantly aware that there are individuals who do not support the approach of the California Department of Public Health for preventing the spread of COVID-19. While the public health department's work will always be science-based, I am willing to hear various points of view and to work diligently to find approaches based on common values. All are entitled to give their opinions in any forum they choose. Tolerance and civility have been the standard of debate for many potentially divisive issues facing our county, and the discourse has generally been polite. However, we have fallen short of this standard when it comes to COVID-19. Disagreement and debate are healthy for our democracy, but whether it's COVID-19 or any of the many policy challenges we will be facing together, threats and vitriol shouldn't be acceptable to anyone. If there is anything this pandemic has shown us, it is that we are united in our vulnerability. We succeed or fail together. Let us unite around our common humanity rather than allow hatred to divide us. Nevada County, we are better than this. End quote. That from a statement released today by Nevada County Public Health Officer Dr. Scott Kellerman. And in regional weather... Grass Valley and Nevada City, tonight, clear, with a low around 65. Friday will be sunny, with a high near 91. In Truckee and Lake Tahoe, tonight, mostly clear, with a low around 45. Friday, sunny, with a high near 82. And in Sacramento and Woodland, tonight, mostly clear, with a low around 62 degrees. Friday will be sunny and hot again, with a high near 95. Next, let's listen to Hospitality House's Needs of the Week, followed by Bravehearts. This week, Betty Louise continues her conversation with the Interfaith Food Ministries Executive Director, Phil Alonzo, and Development Director, Naomi Cabral. Hi. I'm Christina Abkarian, Marketing and Development Specialist at Hospitality House. Hospitality House is a year-round emergency homeless shelter for the general homeless community in Nevada County. 
And the needs for the shelter for this week are PPE mask and gloves, blankets, twin size, new pillows, bottled water, bras, all sizes, women's underwear, sizes small, medium, and large, men's underwear, boxers, sizes medium, large, and extra large, men's and women's deodorant, travel bags, and backpacks. Please drop off urgent items or mail them to Utah's Place located in the Brunswick Basin past the DMV at 1262 Sutton Way in Grass Valley. For a tax receipt, please ring the doorbell and wait for someone to come outside to assist you. We greatly appreciate the community's help. In the words of Utah Phillips, if we all stick together, we'll all get what we need. Thank you. Welcome to this edition of Brave Hearts, where we hope to increase your awareness and understanding of what homelessness looks like and some of the many organizations working on solutions to improve the homeless crisis. We are your hosts, William Wallace and Betty Louise, and these are the Brave Hearts. Tell me about IFM, your mission, your objectives and particularly concerning the homeless population. Yeah, absolutely. Um, well, Interfaith Food Ministry has been around in Nevada County over 30 years. Started in someone's garage of just some concerned citizens and handing out food informally, and it just grew and grew. And it's called Interfaith because it, the foundation and the support really came from the area congregations and, and churches that, that realized they could do more working together than on the food security issue, you know, individually. And so it's morphed over the years. It was on Whiting Street for a long time in a borrowed church space. About six years ago or so, they purchased this building here at 440 Henderson Street in Grass Valley. We're right next to the Beam Center and the Prosperity Lanes Bowling Alley. And we run a food distribution program. And we're here for any resident in Nevada County that uh, that needs help. No income requirement, you know, and, uh, and anything. We do ask for a little bit of paperwork to get someone signed up, but once you're signed up, you can come to IFM uh, two, three times a month and get some free supplemental groceries. But our mission has been, you know, not only to, to feed the hungry, but also reduce food insecurity. And at the same time, treat people with human dignity. And, and that is really at, at the heart of what we do. And the food insecurity issue is so broad and varied and, and affects a lot of different people and a lot of different parts of the community and types of families in, in different ways. Anyone is welcome to come. We're non-judgmental. We're, you know, we just want to help people uh, get food to meet that immediate, immediate hunger need, uh, hopefully help them uh, save some of their other income they perhaps would have used on food for other necessary things in their lives. And, uh, you know, another aspect of what we do that Naomi is actively involved in is helping people sign up for CalFresh food stamps. Mm -hmm. So we get people some of the resources that, that they might be eligible for. 
Cool. Well, so Naomi, tell us about your role and what your piece of it looks like. Thank you. Yes. Well, we wear many hats here. (laughs) So we do many roles, uh, but primarily in development, I work a lot with, like as Phil said, I do CalFresh onboarding. Um, So it's mostly seniors that we're we're getting onto CalFresh here at this organization. We do have a few small families can you just briefly describe like what does it mean to be on the CalFresh program? Sure. To be on the CalFresh program, fortunately, there's a lot more funding going through CalFresh and the government now than there ever was before, I think. And that is to do with the pandemic, helped with that. It used to be a little more stringent. There was a lot, you know, if you worked a little bit, you didn't get a whole lot. And now it's, it's very generous now. So we definitely tell our clients, even though we're providing food here, you can't ever have too much help in these times. And so we definitely encourage people to take advantage. They think, oh, I'm not going to be approved for that. And we tell them, yes, yes, you can, and we'll help you. And so also a big part of it is helping folks who don't have computers. You know, a lot of it's done online, and so they're like, where do I even begin? These applications, what hasn't changed is they're extremely lengthy. Yes, Mm -hmm. absolutely. (laughs) It can be challenging to, it takes a lot of work on the recipients and, you know, and that's what Naomi does a great job of, of of helping them through that and keeping them going. Because like any government program, there's a lot of paperwork and eligibility criteria, et cetera, et cetera, that, you know, and we're just focused on, we want to get the people there and get to the point where they need the help. But mm-hmm. I've heard stories of people being very disappointed in going through all this work and everything, and they got $16 a month. Thank you for joining us today. Our hope is this segment has opened your heart and mind. Be well and be kind. This project was made possible with support from California Humanities, a nonprofit partner of the National Endowment for the Humanities please visit calhum.org. And now, Molly Fisk. Molly Fisk, Observations from a Working Poet. I don't mean to sound un-American, especially on Memorial Day weekend, but I hate summer. That's why I'm up at 5 a.m., just to get a little cool air so I can think straight. It's only 70 degrees outside, a civilized temperature, but it won't last long. By 8.30, it will be 80, and by 10, it will be 95, and then I'll begin hallucinating. For someone who defines herself by a certain amount of hustle and moxie, Heat-induced lethargy is not just an overall drag, it's personality-shattering. By noon, the woman I used to be, optimistic, cheerful, will not remember her name, much less her plans for the day, none of which have been accomplished. The hot-weather me sloths around the house, dropping things on the floor instead of putting them away. I take naps before noon, at noon, and after noon, and sometimes I go out in the yard and stand under the hose. Before COVID, I could try to get myself to a matinee and loll in the air conditioning, which helped with heat prostration, but not with getting any work done. Now there's only one true remedy, and it's swimming in a nearby lake. Which works, and I adore it, don't get me wrong, 
But after my swim, I have to come home again. There's no lakeside shade to sit around in. My core stays cool for two hours and prevents homicidal ideation, but then I heat up again. I don't hate everything about summer. Corn on the cob is good, eating real tomatoes. I like sleeping outside and watching the stars. It's just the darn mercury rising. It unmans me, as the saying goes. This is entirely reasonable. First of all, I was born and raised in a fog bank on the north slope of San Francisco, where even on those rare days the sun shone in July, there was always an ocean breeze. As Mark Twain is famous for possibly saying, the coldest winter I ever spent was a summer in San Francisco. And second of all, my people are Scandinavians. You do not find Scandinavians in the Summer Olympics. We are uneasy without 25 pounds of wool clothing on and a hat. When the temperature hits 68 in Oslo, pregnant women are advised to stay indoors. All reason aside, though, I'm still faced with getting through summer. I pin my hair on top of my head with an ice cube inside the bun. I limit my wardrobe to white, off-white, and ivory. I walk through the sprinklers. I drink water, iced tea, lemonade, and water. As the sweat beads on my upper lip and brow and eyelids and runs down the back of my neck and my skirt sticks to the car seat and I get third-degree burns from the steering wheel, I try to remember that some of my friends really love this weather. They wait all year for it. They're out of their minds, of course, but it can't be helped. Their ancestors are not Scandinavians. They are clearly descended from rattlesnakes. Award-winning poet Molly Fisk writes, coaches, and teaches writing in California's Sierra Nevada foothills. You can reach her at mollyfisk.com. This program is produced at the studios of KVMR-FM, Nevada City, California. Funding is provided by Harmony Books of Downtown Nevada City and KVMR with support from the Corporation for Public Broadcasting. That's our newscast for tonight. For their generous support, KVMR would like to thank 1849 Brewing Company, brewing lagers, ales, and a variety of craft beers, offering a pub-style menu, wood-fire pizzas, and more. Open daily for takeout only, 9 a.m. to 7 p.m. Sutton Way, Grass Valley, 1849brewingco.com. And the County of Nevada County, offering courtesy green waste disposal in June for western and eastern Nevada County, including mulch pickup. Specific dates, times, and details are online at readynevadacounty.org slash green waste. Coming up, at 6.30, Mark Cunaberti brings us Money Matters, and at 7 p.m., it's Democracy Now! Thanks very much for listening. I'm Claudio Mendoza, have a great evening.